Wave pool technology is progressing at a rapid rate as commercial surf parks open up all around the world. I'm your host, Brian Dickerson, editor at Wave Pool Mag. And together we'll explore this amazing new landscape by talking to the dreamers, developers, engineers, and everyone making the space happen. These are the personalities who are defining the breadth and scope of artificial wave making today. Welcome to the Wave Pool Mag podcast. guest today is Andy Haddon from Lost Shore Surf Resort. And did I get that right? You did. That was the right pronunciation. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> Good. I had, um, we had on the show um, Ikaika from uh, Waikai Resort, and I had to practice his name because my Hawaiian is, is not that good. So we had to do a little, a little bit of uh, reciting before launching into it. Well, my name's not very exotic, so you did just fine. I, I think it's my my skill set with names. I just uh, it's the American in me that just loves to uh, butcher them. <laughs> 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 so um, you were on the podcast before when uh, Lost Shore Surf Resort. Uh, Originally, the name was uh, Wave Garden Scotland, first got uh, launched. And since then, right. it sounds like you've gone through a lot of changes, a lot of uh, kind of evolution. A lot of our listeners might not have heard that. So can you give us a little background about yourself and how you got involved in this? Yeah, sure. Well, well, first, I, I suppose I'll introduce um, the listeners who, who don't really know what we're trying to build here into a little bit of what, what it is, and then I say a little bit about myself. So we're we're building a, a 52 module uh, Wave Garden Cove. We're surrounded by a number of accommodation units um, that fit into into sort of a lack of accommodation near Edinburgh, which is where we are. It's a very popular city to visit and Scotland's a popular country to visit. So there's a natural lack of accommodation places to stay for people. And then there's also a, a, a food market um, uh, where we're going to have lots of events and, and there's a spa there. And we're just across the road from actually from Europe's largest uh, indoor climbing arena. So we're, we're Europe's largest uh, inland surfing lagoon. Certainly we will be uh, for a period of time, that's for sure, next to Europe's largest indoor climbing arena. And yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're a resort that is hopefully going to have, have a little something for, for everybody. It's been a long, uh, it's been a long journey for me personally. I had the idea back in, um, 2013, I was actually very fortunate to get an introduction into the guys at Wave Garden. And when I went over there, I was lucky enough to get into the test facility there. I had no sort of real eye ideas of, of, of building a wave park per se. I was a surfer. Uh, skeptical one at that and i thought i think the thought of of endless waves was intriguing enough to get me out there and then i was i've been fortunate enough to be able to use my skill sets which were i'm a chartered surveyor so I'm, i've always seen this as a mixed use property development you know so sort of, i work firstly in insolvency so helping businesses out of out of trouble after the the um the recession 
and then in investment so i then had a bit of an understanding of where the money lie and how it was to to get a hold of that so using all those skill sets i've meandered my way uh, quite diligently i believe through a number of a number of obstacles and and here we are you know a year from opening what we hope and believe will be scotland's most exciting leisure destination and, and we hope to see a lot of your visitors come come down and surf with us well, it, it it sounds really amazing. I mean, you have uh, Edinburgh, which is just a, a wonderful old world city that, as you said, has a lot of visitors. And then the area where you're developing. Um, let's step back a little bit. You've been on this journey for a few years now. So it's um, just in, in publishing news and press releases and interviews. There's been a few changes since you first started. Um, that's not unusual for a surf park development. They always kind of meander through uh, different different phases, obstacles. Um, can you kind of walk us through the latest uh, latest uh, renaming, the, the rebranding, which I guess happened uh, late last year? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's there. It's never felt like there's been a um, changes to us aside from the fact that yeah, it's gotten a lot bigger. It has grown arms and legs in terms of the scale of the development. There's no doubt about that. But in terms of the fundamental principles that were that were there back in 2013 and 14, and bear in mind, I only sort of left to do this full time in in, in 2017. Um, but back then, the, the overarching principles were Scotland is, is crying out for a facility of this nature. What I mean is not just something which is really fun to come and visit and surf and, and everything else, but there's a, there's a company called, there are a whole destination in the UK called Centre Parks, which is a great example of a place where families can just go and uh, there's something for everyone, there's something for the adults, there's something for the kids, and so on and so forth. And, and so back then, we always said, well, if we could create something that has that, um, I suppose, has that interest or sparks that interest from people, that, that's going to de-risk us. If, if we could do a place that, regardless of surfing, is going to just be a place for Edinburgh visitors to come out and use the food facilities, um, hang out with their friends. This is something that culturally we do in Scotland, you know, at the weekend, especially if you've got families and things like that. You just want to go somewhere at the weekend and uh, in a nice environment. And then we thought if we could combine them with what we what we thought then and still believe is is the leading te- technology provider um, and commercial waves that stood the commercial test of time and could be, uh, you know, stand up under extreme scrutiny from multiple funders, then suddenly you had yourself, uh, uh, you know, a recipe. And I think that 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 recipe has changed, you know, the ingredients have changed in that over the years, but the the founding principles have remained exactly the same. So it's been a long journey. You know, we had to purchase land. We had to um, purchase, obviously, exclusivity from the tech provider and really put ourselves in, in a camp at that point when the world was wondering what what camp to be in. We we were we were relying heavily on this becoming an Olympic sport. I think that was something that most of us could see coming that were in the industry, but still, you know, it's a bet. You could call it that. We then had to go through two ma- major planning applications, which is something that. 
you know, all the developers have to go through. So that meant knowing locally exactly how to navigate those choppy waters. And then fundamentally, you have to raise a heck of a lot of money and then you have to have the aptitude and desire to, to run one. So there's definitely a reason that these things aren't um, more numerous now. They're definitely going to be more later. But um, because everyone that's built one is is wanting to build another, I think that speaks volumes. But they are tricky to get up and running, and we've just been very, I think, quiet, methodical, and diligent in our approach. And that all led to us eventually saying, uh, "Let's change our name." Um, you asked about that, that name change, and and we were Waveguard in Scotland. Our friends in the Basque Basque country were always happy to share a name with us on the basis it was a bit of a holding card, you know, to the point where we wanted to find our own identity. And we want to make this really clear to to your listeners that you know we are a resort. You know, we see ourselves as that. We're absolutely surfing's at the core, and with this fifty-two module machines, hopefully, a blow minds just like it is everywhere else in the world. But we are uh, we're a resort, and we thought a name change was befitting for that. Okay, so in um, what uh, what amenities at Lost Shore Surf Resort will make it more of a resort? Um, it's it's fundamentally the level of accommodation that we have on site. You know, the amount of lodges, um, and also the fact that we we actually. Like I said, we share an entrance with Europe's largest indoor climbing arena. So already it hosts uh, climbing events. There's already Olympic sports based in there from canoeing to Scottish judo are actually in there to the sports climbing. We're bringing another Olympic one. So we're getting a huge amount of nationwide support from the national sporting bodies as to the potential this facility could bring. But fundamentally, the resort element is just, um, yeah, it's come and surf, but actually just come and eat award-winning food and come and... Uh, go to award-winning spa and, and, and stay in award-winning accommodations. So, yeah, we see it as a very holistic experience, not just for surfers. Now, in, um, in Scotland, I'm not familiar with the surf scene there, other than the uh, O'Neill uh, Coldwater Classic they mm-hmm. have at uh, Thurso. Um, can, can you walk us through it, uh, share with our listeners what the scene is like there. I'm sure it's expanded massively in the past 10 to 20 years. Oh, it's, it's an unbelievable scene here in Scotland. You know, it's it's come from um, great roots where it really was quite hardcore, you know, back in the 70s and when wetsuits weren't so good and everything else like that. And there's a lot of, let's say, elder statesmen in, involved in the sport that are very supportive of this new push. We, we're, 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 we're able to... I sit actually on the board of the Scottish Surfing Federation, so it's been something that's been quite important to understand what the surfing community wants. You know, I'm a surfer myself, and I was just doing the same thing as everyone else surfing in this country. So so canvassing that surf community, canvassing those national governing bodies, you know, harnessing this big movement towards the Olympics and the additional funding that's available. And I would say that the Scottish surfer community is, is growing exponentially. In the UK, um, since 2016, surfing has doubled in numbers every two years. Clearly, that will come to a halt at some point, but there's over a million people surfing in the UK last year. Um, It's a sport that everyone wants to try. We're extremely confident that we can keep people warm. And I know a lot of your listeners will be laughing into their coffee uh, as I say that. But... It's just true, you know, with the right kit. And I think Switzerland's actually a fantastic example of this. If you've got really warm, changing rooms, 
and you're getting people into people, especially people that aren't used to surfing, who are going to overheat because they're not naturally, um, you know, their their movement's not very efficient. We're going to put them in the right kit. We're going to get them out there, and um, we're going to overheat. We're going to do our best to overheat them. And then they're going to come back in just to prove a point. And they're going to come back okay. into warm changing rooms, and uh, okay. we'll take it from there. Yeah, we, we we went through that in uh, Switzerland, and I had forgotten from uh, surfing in Northern California, you don't go into a hot shower after being immediately after being in the cold because your hands do that uh, itchy. Yeah, they kind of ice numb out. So, yeah, so no, I mean, it's painful. <laughs> so warn them. <laughs> It is well. Look, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Our, our, we're a lot milder in Scotland than people think. So in Switzerland, you're dealing with like icing over. We're not dealing with that. Well, it might ice over maybe, maybe once a year or maybe once every couple of years. But you know, we're it's 22 degrees outside here today. It's it's warm. It's sunny. And from spring, summer, and autumn, um, there's going to be no problems with the cold. I think over winter time, absolutely, will all the surfers. That's where they're going to, you know, come down and enjoy. But we're not naive enough to think that um, you're going to want to put a, a school kid that's never surfed before in a lagoon in, in right. December. So I think we're going to manage our our seasons like that. So what? Um... Do you have an idea of what your uh, attendance proportions will be between learner, first-time surfers, and uh, kind of salted, old-guard Scottish surfer? We, we've we done so much diligence, Brian, over the years. Like, even since 2013, whether it be, whether it be choosing our tech provider to making any of the decisions we've made around the business, but there is a reality here that, you can do all of that work and then you just have to suck it and see. And I think the most important thing, and I've learned this from, I've actually set up another business, which is a flexible workspace business. And one thing I've learned through that is that you have to remain flexible, you know, in this day and age. So you open with what you think is right. And then the, the, key is you know fine well that's not going to be the right answer so the key is being able to flex so i think we could spend an awful lot of our time thinking trying to predict exactly who will turn up what we know is that the you know most of Edinburgh is going to turn up at least if it's for a nosy and what we can what we know from the likes of bristol and even in wales to an extent that the masses are going to come the biggest thing we have, Brian, and this is the thing that I've been literally personally obsessed with for the last few years, is repeat visitation. So we've made a huge play behind the scenes to not only integrate with universities already. We've got a surf lab collaboration, which means we're going to be able to welcome the best surfers in the world. You know, they're going to fly into the airport 10 minutes away, get a taxi, be in a barrel 15 minutes later, and then go into our high-performance lab, which is you know, students studying surfing. We've got we've already sponsored a student through uh, um, a PhD in surf therapy. He's the world's first doctor in surf therapy. We might not have the best level of surfing in, in, in Scotland, Brian, but we see no reason why we can't be the brain of surfing. So... We're, we've been obsessed with repeat visitation, getting into schools, getting ourselves on curriculums. And that, I think, is where we're going to uh, test ourselves as a business, is, is that sort of years three to ten. How many of these people are we are we converting into, into surfers? Now, that, now um, as you mentioned, you have to be ready to be flexible. And um, mm-hmm. most, most of the surf parks we've talked to, most of the operations around the world have had to do 
shifting once they've opened. They think mm -hmm. one thing will work and it obviously changes. And so there's the ability to adapt, which, which helps a park succeed. Have you had experiences like that talking to other surf park owners where they've said, oh yeah, we started out this way and now we're doing this. And is there a model out there that you, that you really admire that you would like to emulate somewhat? I think you can take from every single surf park that's open learnings. I mean, just like the ones that open subsequently to ours will learn from ours. You know, you'd be mad not to be obsessive about this stuff. So yeah, we've learned a lot of, I think, how to's and how not to's. I think there's a bit of a stigma in the investment world, especially where you're doing business on this scale, where people like to say that they know exactly what's going to happen. But I think from the outset, we've said the one thing we'll guarantee is that our financial model is not going to be exactly right. The one thing we guarantee is that, you know, the exact type of demographic we think will turn up or the visitation is not going to be right. But there's enough of the ingredients within our financial model and within our predictions to say, let's open and let's be super, super keen to flex and listen to feedback um, early. So actually, I think our whole business model, and I think this is what the kind of the pet, this is why we've attracted pension funds and no one else has. I think they've started to see that we're not here to do anything other than try and create a hundred year business for our, our country and for our people. And that there's no short termism here. You know, we take it very seriously. And, and um, so, yeah, we've learned off all of the parks, different things of, of different ones. And as you um, are, are ready to do this and evolve, part of uh, the, the interesting thing is each uh, wave pool, each surf park has a different um, footprint on land that is unique. Mm -hmm. And can you can you tell us about where you're going to put your uh, La Shore Surf Resort? It's uh, in Ratho, and did I get that right? It, it, yeah, it used to be a mine. That's right. It was our quarry. So actually, we're really lucky. I mean, the guys when they visit our site, they say, you know, it really is. It, perfection in terms of the topography of the site. It's a natural amphitheater. We've got a big cliff that protects against the prevailing winds, you know, 10 to 15 meter cliff on one side. So you'll be nice. surfing like un under a cliff and surrounded by, like say, reclaimed quarry, uh, natural parkland that slopes down. It's very, very beautiful setting. From our lodges, you can see up to the highlands of Scotland and you can see to a very iconic bridge in Edinburgh called the Queensferry Crossing. Um, so and and from and the, um, there's a canal called the Union Canal, and I've actually I'm going to get this out there because I think this is really interesting. The Union Canal um, it runs from Edinburgh to a town called Falkirk, and it surpasses our site. And we found out a few years ago that the first ever artificial wave in the world was ran down this canal. It was called the Soliton Wave. And when the engineers were trying to make sure that the canal had the exact same dimensions from Edinburgh to Falkirk, they got two Shire horses that ran either side of this canal and it towed like a snowblout, maybe a bit like Waveguard Mach 1 or the Kelly Slater. These horses, <laughs> these horses bolted and then the engineers that stood in Falkirk, you know, this is well over 100 years ago, stood in Falkirk and they saw that wave get into Falkirk in the exact same dimensions, they knew that they'd created the canal correctly. So a complete coincidence, but um, wow. just one that I thought I'd get out there. 
And when when uh, when was this? What year? Oh, like in the 1800s at some stage. Yeah, I don't have the year off by heart. I should probably Google wow. it. But yeah, it's, it's you, cool, isn't it? Hopefully have a, a pen and ink drawing or a photo. <laughs> photograph. Got, yeah, there'll be all sorts of stuff like that. In fact, as part of our country park offering, because we're just wanting to get people to come down to our site, whether they're surfing or not, and wander around. We're doing his, historic trails. There's a lot of history around our site. So let's say if you're an American tourist or a European tourist, you're flying into Edinburgh and you come to our site, you're not just going to be hit with the sort of adrenaline-fueled surf experience. You're going to be treated to a lot of his, the history and culture of Edinburgh and the surrounds, the old quarry, the old quarry rock, what that's been used for. Um, and yeah, we got we think we've got a lot of interesting stories to, to tell. And there's, um, as a, yeah, you you get a lot of visitors, you know, to Edinburgh and you see... What is something that Americans like myself who who come to Scotland and what is something that they miss that you feel really proud of that maybe the rest of the world, uh, especially Americans, are, we just don't quite get or well, appreciate we, that, that you do as, as a Scottish person? Well, Luke, you know, I mean... But- before I start talking up Scotland, it's fair to say that we, we, we learn a fair few things of you guys as well. I was over in California last year. My mind was blown by some of the stuff I was seeing. I have to say, you know, and we we also learn from a business perspective a lot, a lot from London. You know, if, if you know, London's 10 years ahead. So if there's 10 ideas in London, we'll take the one that, that does well and we'll, we'll eventually put it in Edinburgh somewhere. But from our perspective, um, I think there's a huge amount of culture and history and heritage. There's great golf in Scotland. I know Kelly Slater, he plays in the Dunhill and he'll fly into Edinburgh Airport every year and he loves it there. You know, a lot of the top golfers in the world are, are surfers and, and a lot of the surfers golf. The, where I live, just down the coast, I'm a golfer myself. Where I live, it's called the Golf Coast. You know, we've got championship courses all around us, great links courses. So. Hmm. From the heritage, the castles, the history to um, to what is going to be, and you know, in our opinion, one of the world's best surfing breaks, to all the golf and the sport and the adventure and the highlands and the hill walking, I just think that the clean, you know, the clean air, the fresh water. I think we've got a lot in Scotland. We we do ourselves an injustice sometimes in Scotland. You know, back in the day, Brian, there was an enlightenment period where, you know, a lot of the things that we we use day to day were invented by Scots. And then for a number of years after that, you know, we've just sort of got swallowed up. We're a small nation and so on. So I think we take it, we're taking a hell of a lot of pride as a project team of trying to put mm-hmm. Scotland in our own little way, make sure it's on the map there. And so yeah. when we get international visitors, we're going to have all that stuff up on the wall and you can come <laughs> and enjoy being a Scot for a few days. <laughs> That's great. And the, um, your, your company is Tartan Leisure, so yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so family Scottish Tartan and uh, yeah, pattern. I mean, the, to be honest, the name just like Wave Garden Scotland, the name I made up in about twenty seconds. There was no real thought behind that. <laughs> there's a there's a fact of it. It's a wee bit of a naff name, to be honest. But the Lost Shore Surf Resort, you know, we put, did put a lot of thinking into that, and, okay. and and so that's a properly thought out name. Okay. So, um, let, let's get back to the surf park and when you, uh, are finally, finally ready to open, can, um, you walk us through just descriptively, 
Um, you know, we've all seen videos of urban surf and going into there or um, other locations around Kelly Slater, wave pool, you know, the gates open for the drone and then it goes through. Um, walk us through what it'll be like at uh, Lost Shore Surf Resort. Sure. I mean, you're going to pull up into the car park where, like I said, we share an entrance that you, uh, to Europe's largest indoor climbing arena. But our car park is actually just before you get to that. So you won't see that climbing arena. You'll pull into a car park. It's a very rural feeling location, despite the fact it's just on the outskirts of town. So you've got fields on either side, farmer's fields. You won't be able to see anything from that car park. And our, our landscape architects have taken great pride in, in making this a reveal. You know, so you'll hear the waves before you see them. You'll walk up, you will you will walk sort of uphill, uh, very short, you know, 20, 30 meters uh, up a gradual slope and then down into the hub building, another 100 meters or so of a walk. And it's at that point you will see the, the whole cove, you'll see the lodges up on the ridge, you'll see the accommodation either side, you'll see the cliff on the left. And like absolutely everyone who's ever seen our site from... That our 45 shareholders, to our two banks, to our pension fund, to our members of the public, to visit Scotland, events Scotland, all the politicians, their minds get absolutely blown by this location. Um, and yeah, and then you're just going to be in a hopefully a, a cauldron or a theatre of surfing for the duration of your stay. You're going to get your fix. You're going to leave, and then you're going to want to. Who can come again? <laughs> So um, using the the technology, you've familiar, familiarized yourself with the different uh, Wave Garden Cove settings. Do you have one that's your personal favorite, uh, M4 or Beast Mode or what, what do you like, Andy? Honestly, like... Uh, I just like getting in the water. I mean, obviously, there's part of me that some days wants to try and progress and push myself onto the harder wave settings. And there's other days that I'm happy to just get on a nice big, easy wave on a, a nice big turn wave. Um, what gives me a lot of personal joy is seeing just all, there's so many people that have like surfed once and maybe had a bad experience or, you know, they've got mm -hmm. not been in the right kit or something's happened, but you see, see the way people in Bristol and in the test facility in Spain and all these places, the beginners, you know, to see them suddenly realize that they can get that, pick up that skill quite quickly and just to see the sort of joy on their faces. I think that's almost the thing that, that I'm going to take a lot of pride from as much as my own surfing. So really looking to seeing that unfold. Okay. And on your, um, the, if you're, are you familiar with the movie North Shore with Rick Kane? Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> Do you think your wave pool could produce a, uh, a wave pool champion? I mean, someone's some of the wave pools. There are people who who've just surfed in the wave pool. Um, do you do you see that happening where you are? And then, right. Well, I mean, I, the thing is, I don't see why not. Purely on the basis, uh, you know, this is why we've always been intrigued with the science behind surfing. And I, I read a few books, maybe when I was a bit younger and a bit more, I, it could be influenced easily. There's one guy, a guy called Matthew Syed called Bounce. There's another one guy, a guy called Rasmussen, which is called the Goldmine Effect. And these were all about your ten thousand hours. And and the, um, and the and the Goldmine Effect was all about these little pockets of the world that produce excellent athletes. So whether it be 
um, you know, female Russian tennis players or whether it be Brazilian footballers, et cetera, et cetera. And they all had something fairly in common, and that was just repetition, um, you know, access to the right coaches. Um, it wasn't all about money or resource. It was like these small pockets. If you could get those things right, you would nail it. And in Scotland, we're never going to have the most resource or numbers. But if we can nail our little thing, then I, I see no reason why we can't have a generation of like super, super talented young Scottish surfers. And, and what's even better is these young Scottish surfers are used to uh, surfing big, gnarly, cold waves uh, on our north and west coast as well. So they're very hard. And I mean, we just had a, a young guy, Ben Lark, who's, who we've got an announcement coming soon on him. Amazing family. He's been surfing Nazarene with, with Nick, Nick Von Rock. He's just surfed with Nathan Florence up in Thurso, and he's learning from these guys, you know. So we've got, we got, we got the potential, and I just can't wait to unlock it. Yeah, that was great. I think I saw that uh, Nathan Florence YouTube clip with the uh, the kid who went out and had to go yeah. with them. It was really impressive. The Lard family, just the nicest family I ever live out in Tyree. And that, they're a perfect example of the, our close-knit surf community. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's not a very inviting coastline to to learn to surf from from what I've seen. <laughs> well, Brian, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna agree then disagree. So I agree. In the North Coast and the West Coast, we've got these big North Atlantic swells. There's absolutely no doubt about it. It's hardcore. And um, but on the southeast coast, so half an hour from site here, what you have is North Sea waves, which are oh, one, yeah. two, one, two, three feet, right? The water's not that cold, like it might sound cold to your listeners, but you know, it's like twelve to twenty degrees. And like in the right wetsuit, I mean it's just not cold. There's just no doubt about that. But the but there's a prevailing offshore. So the waves throughout the year it might go flat in August, maybe, but like almost all year round. Like I'm sitting in an office here and we were surfing two days ago, like just two foot clean so actually there's a great wee community down the coast here which has access to these perfect little offshore waves a lot of the time so there's more surfing here than i think people think and there's more potential yeah, yeah I, I did see that from some of the uh east coast of uh the uk on the north sea yeah. where uh, yeah. i watched some swell patterns and the red blobs <laughs> go across the map i'm like wow those it, it gets swell yeah. on the east coast of uh yeah the uk it's all shorter swell period stuff so it's like we, it works really well when it's like anything from like seven to 11 seconds it's like seed is really good like for some reason it just works it'll come in clean mm. but it's obviously the swell period is short and we don't really get on this coast the 15 seconds 16 second big yeah. ocean power stuff now that's the north coast and the west Great. So you're going to train these people in uh, your wave pool, and then they're going to look out and see these North Sea waves and just jump in. <laughs> I mean, like the, whole, the the good thing about doing this in Scotland, Brian, is that we can get national support. I mean, it's not been easy. It's taken years, but we have mm -hmm. like the whole of Scottish surfing, or at least it feels like it behind us. And we've got like the That's whole awesome. of Sc Visit Scotland behind us, the whole of Events Scotland behind us. Like we're all pumped for this facility. Mm -hmm. So 100%. That took a bit of uh, work because, of course, when you – I know all the guys down the East Coast here that run surf schools, right? And at first they look at you like, Andy, what the hell are you doing, mate? You're going to steal all our business. And then you start to explain to them, that's not your intention. It's you, you put it in their hands and you say, do you not think that surf, like 
do you not want to spread this stoker surface? Yeah, okay, we do. What's your, what's your worries? Oh, well, we do, we're worried about our hidden spots. Well, so am I. Well, let's not advertise them then. Let's advertise your search skills. Let's teach them properly in our lagoon using RNLI and, and trained lifeguards. Make sure it's very clear to people in our lagoon. If you want to go and surf in the ocean, it's a different gravy. But go and speak to Sam from Coast to Coast or Steve for some videos. We got a lesson. And now everyone just can't wait because now you can have more people in an industry. Suddenly someone that's working a, a nine till five in Scotland and wants to work in the surf industry making surf wax, well, we might give them that platform to do that, you know, because the, we're growing it. So, yeah, we're totally pumped. We're ready. We've laid the foundation over a decade and we're, we're, we're ready to surprise the world and show the world what we can do. Yeah, I, and I, I think you, you hit it in that you have the uh, support of, uh, of Scotland behind you. And there are very few surf park projects that have that kind of support, um, maybe a little bit in Australia, but many of the other parks, they're just kind of standalone. They don't have the support of the national surfing organizations or the government uh, tourism mm -hmm. development or, or such. But it sounds like you guys really have a lot of... Uh, power behind you with the uh, the federations and the government yeah i think it's just always been asking them what they would like and showing that we are normal people you know we're not a corporate entity ourselves we're just we're most of our upper management is our surfers and we none, none of us want to have you know people running into the ocean and and hurting themselves and none of us want them to be running into to spots where they, they are not learning the etiquette we're not going to be a perfect solution like i said, go back to that point we're going to start with what we think is the right way to mitigate and and to harness the opportunities but we're going to be ready to flex on a dime as uh, and, and make sure that certainly after two three four years of being open if by then we're not looking like you know a really smooth machine that's doing all these other things well i think we've got a problem but um we're ready for it that's that's awesome. Well, congratulations on all your progress. And <clears throat> when uh, when when can I go surfing there? So we're hoping to open September next year. We're halfway through building. Um, we are on time. You know, like we're very proud of the fact we're on time. We've got all our builders, all project managers, all designers just want this to happen. Like everyone's pumped. So when there's a problem come up, just get in a room, just solve it. And and I hope we can just keep 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 up that mentality till we go. So next September we're going to open. But I'd urge your listeners to look out for they follow us on socials, hundred percent. We've got to start mm -hmm. start doing social media and and everything else. So follow us on our Instagram and our various socials. And please um, look out for we're going to be selling some vouchers at a discount. Which every surfer in the UK, if they if they call themselves a surfer and they don't buy one of these vouchers, <laughs> then I don't I don't want to know. Right. So we're going to be we're going to be putting them on sale towards the end of the year, and then we're also going to be starting to have uh, bookings for lodges so again you've got a global audience right and i'd encourage anyone who wants to come to scotland to look out for booking a lodge at our surf resort surf a bit come and visit edinburgh go up to the highlands climb do what you like but uh keep an eye on us and we will be welcoming you with with open arms and, and good scottish hospitality uh, well it sounds amazing andy and um I, I I can't wait to see it and can't wait to visit visit <clears throat> Edinburgh. I've always wanted to go there. And from the picture you've 
painted for us. It just it sounds pretty incredible. Well, Brian, thanks very much for having me on. Uh, I've been following your journey and this podcast for a long time, and I'm, I'm just stoked to see so many other developers and, and, and techs and everyone getting involved in this in in this market. Such an exciting one. Yeah, it's a it's a really fun uh, space to to document and to engage in because uh, everyone's kind of winging it. Everyone's you know inventing it as they go along, so it's totally new, it's totally fresh, um, and and very innovative and creative. Yeah, and if they tell you different that they're not winging it, then uh, they've got their <laughs> and they've got their hands crossed behind their back. You just got to live, and you got to live, and you got to learn. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, th- thanks a bunch, Andy, and uh, okay. we l- look forward to hearing more as you as you develop and get closer to uh, your opening day. Thanks very much, Brian. Good talking to you. Okay, thanks, Andy.